Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramac. On today's show, Silicon Valley's biggest fraud finally shuts its door, and some questions about the rise of smart cities. But first, making chips. No, not the kind you eat, but the ones that run your smartphone and your laptop and your car and maybe your blender, the ones that are officially known as semiconductors. So politicians constantly talk about how America has lost its manufacturing lead to other countries. That was a centerpiece for President Trump, both to his 2016 campaign and a lot of his current trade policy. But it turns out that chip making is still big business in the U.S., with around $44 billion of semiconductors exported last year. That actually makes it our fourth largest import behind cars and airplanes and refined oil. And moreover, it's not all centered in one state or one region. There are about 80 manufacturing plants, also known as fabs, in 19 states right now with plans to build more. It's the sort of thing that should be celebrated and highlighted, but instead seems to be ignored. Instead, when we hear elected officials talk about U.S. tech manufacturing, it's usually about how to get Apple to make more iPhones here or Dell to make more laptops here both of which could be important additions to our economy, but it's also worth remembering what we already have and why we have it and how to keep it. So our continued strength in domestic chip making is largely because U.S. players are too scared of intellectual property theft to move manufacturing to China. And while China desperately wants its own domestic chip making base, even if it could design the chips, the manufacturing of them is extremely difficult. It takes highly skilled workers and it's a highly technical process. So the bottom line is that many U.S. chip makers fear the current trade war with China could undermine this strength, not only because of tariffs, but also because it could cause China to put further pressure on them to partner or perish via things like price controls. What the U.S. chip makers want is a trade policy that doesn't just pay lip service to IP protection, but one that actually cares about it more than it cares about trade deficits. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios Chief Technology Correspondent, Ina Freed. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent, Ina Freed, shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined by Ina Freed, Chief Technology Correspondent for Axios. So, Ina, explain, so many types of manufacturers have left the U.S. over the last 10 years, 20 years. Why haven't chip manufacturers followed suit? There's a few reasons. I mean, one, there's a few types of tech jobs that don't require a huge manufacturing base, a huge employment base for the amount of manufacturing they generate, and chips are one of those. They're fairly skilled workers, and they're relative to the amount of products they produce. It's not that high. Also, people want to keep their intellectual property close to home. This is one of the areas where people really value what they've designed. Now, that's not exclusively true. Certainly, Apple, Samsung, a bunch of companies produce their things elsewhere. So it's not like exclusive. If you're Apple, why would you produce your chips or kind of contract out to have your chips produced overseas, given the huge IP risks? I mean, when we hear Trump talk about trade and trade with China, IP theft is always central to that. And it's not just China. That happens in other countries, too. It is. I think Apple would dearly love to make chips in its own factories, and maybe someday they will. They certainly have the money to do it. That's not an area they've gone into. You know, Apple, it's funny because they actually produce their Apple chips that go inside the iPhone in Samsung's factories. So one, as much as 
because they had a legal battle, they trust Samsung's chip-making unit enough to produce their own chips. So it is an area where the IP stuff gets a little complicated. Yeah, the choices that companies have to make aren't ideal. But I think you have seen a number of companies try and go around China. Ironically, a lot of them are made in Taiwan, which people still feel safe doing. So TSMC, one of the biggest contract manufacturers in the world, based in Taiwan, is where a lot of chips get made. When Apple doesn't make them at Samsung's factories, that's typically where they make them. That's where a lot of Qualcomm's, a lot of the world's chips are made. Qualcomm also makes some of their chips in Samsung's factories. Ina, you reported this morning that chips are our fourth biggest export. It's a big manufacturing base for us here in the U.S. But is it, you also say that we are kind of starting to lose pace a little bit because the overall, the global chip making business has grown. So our market share has declined, even though we've maintained our base. That's correct. And uh, Felix Salmon just sent me a note, our new business reporter, reminding me that we also import a lot of computer chips. So it is one of our biggest exports, but we have lost sort of some of that leadership. Intel's probably our leading chip maker. They're struggling to move to the next generation of production. So we could see that balance hurt even more. And then China has a huge push to really take a lead in semiconductors in a way that they haven't. So we could see the U.S. maintain its base while sort of the rest of the world grows, meaning we're not really growing with the semiconductor market. We're just keeping even. I think the real question is, can we stay at the forefront of chip manufacturing? And really, Intel is sort of the leading company here. Micron, the memory chip maker, also doing production in the U.S. But we are started seeing some of our leads slip and some of our advancedness, if you will. Somebody made a comment to you about how the U.S. needs to nurture its chip manufacturing business more, which is what countries say like China are doing. In layman's terms, what does that mean? What could the U.S., either from a government perspective or an industry perspective, what could we do to grow market share and not just maintain? There's probably two or three main things. One that the chip industry would really like to see is more investment in basic research. So the sort of pre-competitive, how can chip making advance, some of that research we could be funding as a government, that's certainly one thing they would like to see. The other thing is incentives to set up manufacturing plants. So we see a lot of states compete for different things, but what we don't see is a lot of government funding for U.S. manufacturing. We could see some of that. That would certainly please the industry. And the other is, you know, the tariffs aren't helping. It's just not what the chip industry and other industries want to see. When you say the tariffs aren't helping, is that because the raw materials are starting to cost more? Is that the problem? It's always because all different ways. So one, the materials to make them cost more to import. Then when you're sending your chips to countries, the tariffs don't work one way, despite the what President Trump seems to think. So then you have to deal with retaliatory tariffs. So while we're importing a lot of computer gear, we're exporting these chips. So they might face, you know, depending on how far this trade war goes, they might face tariffs. And that would obviously be bad for the chip industry. Thanks to Ina Freed, Axios chief technology correspondent. My final two on the death of Theranos and the birth of smart cities after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter, faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. And now it's time for my final two. And first up is that Theranos, a Silicon Valley blood testing company that was once valued at $9 billion dollars, plans to dissolve and send any remaining cash to its creditors. So for those who haven't heard of Theranos, the short story is that it was a massive fraud that put patient health at risk. And its founder and another former top executive now face criminal charges. 
Its former directors, who actually include current Department of Defense Secretary James Mattis, have refused to discuss their roles or why they didn't see bad things happening. The longer story is detailed in a recent book called Bad Blood by Wall Street Journal reporter John Carreyou, and it's a very worthy read. And even though it's a little long, it goes super fast. Why all of this matters is partially that Theranos changed how biotech investors do due diligence. They used to not necessarily insist on peer-reviewed science, whereas now they do. But the bigger story is that Theranos significantly increased skepticism of Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley startups. No longer is an investment from well-known people validation on its own. Instead, the feeling now is that your product doesn't work until you've proven otherwise, which is really how it should have been all along. And finally, smart cities. That's the buzzword we keep hearing from mayors and big telecom companies about how urban communities will soon become hyper-connected. It's basically an economic development pitch tied with a real estate pitch with lots of big money and big sensors behind it. Axios' Kim Hart this morning writes on the site that while every city seems to be pursuing the same goal, none of them have worked out exactly what they'll do with all the data that these smart cities produce, nor what the privacy rules will be. And not everyone's thrilled that money's being spent on this instead of on social services or affordable housing. So in short, we might get smart cities that haven't studied for the final exam. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, please be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and have a great National Cheese Pizza Day. I'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.